And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievan. Great being with you here this fabulous afternoon. Rabbi Ken Spiro was talking about Hanukkah, which is just around the corner, less than two weeks away. We have amazing events planned for Hanukkah. A giant menorah at Santon City, the Rivonia entrance. Every evening we'll be having grand menorah lightings with guest speakers and entertainment. And at the airport as well, at the El Al terminal. So if you'll be flying, you'll be able to kindle your menorah in the airport and we have information posted about that on our Chabad South Africa website as well as on our Facebook page so you can know where and when the airport menorah lightings take place. We, I'm sure there will also be a great event at Kosher World every day. So there's a lot packed and happening for Hanukkah. But before Hanukkah comes Rosh Hashanah, just a week away. Hold on a second, Rabbi. Aren't you confused? Didn't we have Rosh Hashanah already a couple of weeks back? Yes, that's true, we did. But the Talmud says there are four Rosh Hashanahs. And you're probably familiar, of course, with Rosh Hashanah. We celebrate the Jewish New Year. And then, according to Sun, the month of Nisan, that's when we begin counting our months. And the Talmud enumerates that, because Nisan is the first month in the Jewish calendar. Tu Bishvat, New Year of Trees. But besides for the four Rosh Hashanahs enumerated in the Talmud, there is a fifth. And that is the Hasidic Rosh Hashanah, Yud Tes Kislev, which takes place next week today. And we talked about it last week, and I told you I'd continue over the next two weeks to talk about Hasidism, the Alter Rebbe, the founder of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi. And we talked last week a little bit about the Tanya that he wrote and some of the content and the significance of the Tanya and how its influence has been so significant, it continues to grow. We're 220 years since it was first published in 1798. 1796, thousands of Jews worldwide study the Tanya, the annual cycle of the Tanya study. And many people really are inspired in their personal relationship with God for personal growth and development as a Jew, as a human being, by the teachings of the Tanya. But as I explained last week, the beginnings of the Hasidic movement, the beginnings of the Chabad movement, the Alter Rebbe, the publisher of the Tanya, was met with much skepticism, with animosity, with suspicion, with hatred. And there were these terrible libels, accusations, allegations that were lodged against Rabbi Shneur Zalman. And this wasn't by anti-Semites. I'm talking here about fellow Jews, not just, we're not talking about secular, anti-religious Jews. I'm talking about fellow religious, ultra-religious Haredi Jews who were, what I'd like to say is Hasidically challenged. And that's perhaps the reason why. But we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Because after the Alter Rebbe's incarceration, he was imprisoned in the Peter Paul Fortress, which is a prison in St. Petersburg, Russia. Ultimately, he was released on the 19th of Kislev, and this victory for the Hasidim turned into a tremendous celebration. However, today I want to focus a little bit on the reaction of Rabbi Shneir Zalman after his release. And he writes an incredible letter, and I think this letter tells us a lot about his personal strength of character, and one that each of us could learn from as well in our own lives, how we react to difficult situations, how we react to attacks against us, how we respond if we perpetuate the fight further. And boy, is there nothing like a good fight for some people. But the cycle doesn't end. You fight with me, I'll fight back with you, and it just continues 
endlessly. So I want to read to you a letter Rabbi Schneir Zaman wrote. And this letter, one could easily find it in the Igrat Kodesh, the letters written by Rabbi Schneir Zaman of Liadi. And the first thing he writes in his letter, he says, It's well known the sin of divisiveness and baseless hatred, sinat chinam, which is very severe. He says, It's therefore fitting for all upstanding and God-fearing people to be cautious to an extreme degree not to cause, even indirectly, any detriment in this regard. So the first thing Rabbi Shneur Zaman says in his letter is that we don't want to continue the cycle of violence, of divisiveness, of hatred, of animosity. And he says, it's difficult to pen in a letter a true and deep feeling of my heart, which is to awaken in the hearts of our community a love for all Jews, even to those who are not inclined to help us, i.e., he's talking here about the Mesnagdim, those who opposed him and those who caused him all this trouble and caused his arrest on these false trumped-up charges, because this is part of the mitzvah of loving everyone. And so he continues in his letter, it was for this reason, that after the passing of the, of the pious Gaon of Vilna, may his memory be for a blessing, that I wrote a stern warning to all members of our community not to utter even a trace of negative speech about this giant of a Torah scholar in the wake of his passing with no exceptions. You know, some people felt that perhaps after the passing of the Vilna Gon, now it's well known that the Vilna Gon was opposed to the Hasidic movement. He was one of those who signed a ban against Rabbi Shneir Zalman and his compatriots who were introducing the Hasidic teachings and philosophy. And yet the Alter Rebbe said, one should not speak or utter even one word negatively against him. Continuing, he says, but now because of the distressing times that we have just experienced, i.e. his arrest, his incarceration, the interrogation and investigation for on false charges, says the Rebbe, I am concerned that some may think that this prohibition has been lifted, God forbid, given that the perpetrators of our suffering relied on the late pious great sage. May his memory be for a blessing. So, well, because those who caused all this trouble were doing so based on the ban of the Vilna Gon against the Hasidim, maybe now would be a good time to slander them and to continue back and forth the hatred. Therefore, says Rabbi Shneir Zalman, I have come to warn everyone once again, whether they reside near or far, with a double and redoubled warning, do not permit yourself to open your mouth and tongue against the honor of the Torah, the honorable and righteous Vilna Gon of blessed memory. For it is known to us with certainty that this oppression did not originate with him, God forbid, and that he did not advocate aggression and aggressive measures against us. Indeed, such an error did not come from the master for as long as he lived. And Rabbi Shneur Salman is pointing out, although the Vonagon did not support the Hasidic movement, and he had his reasons, which perhaps we'll have time to discuss today, why he opposed the Hasidic movement. Nevertheless, he never stooped to such levels. And in his lifetime, none of the Hasidic leaders were arrested or incarcerated on any such charges as has happened after his passing. Additionally, says Rabbi Shneur Salman, I demand and request of you, all to accustom your hearts to love every Jew and to judge them favorably, even those who do not support us. For the real truth is that all of us are literally like siblings. As it says, Barchenu Avinu, and it, he quotes the verse in 
Deuteronomy it says, Atembanim Lashem, you are all children of God. And the Talmud teaches us that we're all called God's children, regardless of our behavior, as the Talmud says. So God is surely saddened and grieved when we harbor hatred in our hearts towards those who oppose us. And he concludes his letter with the following paragraph. He says, Therefore, one whose heart is touched with the awe of heaven must fulfill that which is written. Do not harbor evil in your heart against your against another. And then, as it says in Proverbs, as water reflects the image of the face looking into it, so will the jealousy and rivalry dissipate from their hearts. So you could see the conclusion of this letter is asking everyone who asking everyone to to love and when we express love, that has a ripple effect and the love will be mirrored in another. Just like when you look into a mirror, if you put a frown, you're going to get back a frown. If you smile, you'll get back that smile. And so the Alter Rebbe is telling us, Hasidim, although we went through a very unpleasant situation, we should not continue it further. And I think there's two very important pieces of information that we derive, that we glean from this powerful letter. Firstly, Rabbi Shneur Zalman tells us about the Vilna Gon and his connection to this entire story. You see, Rabbi Liao, the Gon of Vilna, was a towering Jewish scholar of the 18th century. Now, the truth is, he didn't hold any official office, and he didn't serve even as a communal rabbi or a dayan, a judge, or a Rosh Hashiva, but he's known and recognized for his extraordinary achievements in the study of all fields of Torah, including Kabbalah. Some people don't aren't familiar and say, oh, he wasn't a supporter of the teachings of Kabbalah. That's not the case. He studied Kabbalah as well. What is the case is that he had a different interpretation of Kabbalah than did the great Hasidic masters at the time. But his opposition of Hasidim was that he, in fact, like I said, he signed this ban against the Hasidim, which was much earlier, about 20 six years earlier in 1772. Now, in 1797, when the Grah passed away, this letter Rabbi Shneir Zalman penned informs us that immediately after the passing of this great giant, there were possibly Hasidim who had negative feelings towards him because of his opposition towards the Hasidic movement. And Rabbi Shneir Zalman recognized and informed and inspired and commanded his Hasidim, that there's a biblical command to love a fellow as ourselves. And because we are all one family, this entire community, we're all one family. So there is a certain honor that's due to the Grah for his achievements in Torah. And just being a Torah giant and scholar already made him deservant of respect, of reverence, of, of this covet. And therefore, any negative talk about him is unthinkable. However, after the arrest that we discussed last week, all the allegations and accusations and the charges that were lodged against Rabbi Shneir Zalman, now that he was emancipated from his imprisonment, after this liberation on the 19th of Kislev, Rabbi Shneir Zalman was concerned that perhaps some of his followers, the Hasidim, might think that now they could do as they please because those responsible for the slander leading up to Rabbi Shneir Zalman's arrest, they would say, Perhaps this is the time to exact retribution, to take revenge against them. Now, just imagine taking revenge on your brother. But has that not happened? Do we not ever see in our community way siblings perhaps get into some kind of uh, faribble and begin treating each other not in the best way? 
So as you could see, the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Shneir Zalman, goes on to explain, first of all, that you cannot in any way blame the Gra, Rebbe Sh- the Vilna Gon, Rebbe Liyahu, for his rest at all. He said it was no coincidence that this, this, uh, these charges, these treasonous charges, were only alleged after the Gra passed away. And Rabbi Shneir Zalman makes it clear in his letter that the Gra would never have allowed such measures to be taken against the Hasidim. Maybe internally he had his opposition against them and therefore he signed a ban against them. But there's a difference between reprimanding someone internally within the community. Don't forget they were both Lithuanians. Where was all this conflict and controversy happening? In Vilna, where the Gaon served as this great teacher. But he says in his lifetime it never happened that any of these accusations were lodged. So who does this? It was only certain unscrupulous actors, people who, who behind the Vilna Gaon, and only after he passed away behaved in this way. And perhaps the Gaon of Vilna's opposition against the Hasidim may have been, it was for valid reasons, or for his, you know, in retrospect, we could see what the actual debate was. But these tactics was something he never would have supported. He never would have allowed. So that's number one. Another very important point that I see in this letter from Rabbi Shneir Zalman is how he responds to this entire episode. And he's the one who suffered. He's the one who sat in jail for 55 days. Is that all this opposition that he and his Hasidim, the followers of the Hasidic movement, were experiencing. The Alter Rebbe, and like I said, some of his Hasidim just spent weeks in a Russian prison as a direct outcome of a deliberate libel. A deliberate libel that included allegations of treason, of revolution, of rebellion against the Russian government, which was proven false at the conclusion of this entire period. And we all know that the common reaction to an attack, what happens when somebody attacks you? What's your reaction? We usually want to defend ourselves, and we respond aggressively. And then to gloat that, ah, look, you see, I've been proven innocent. I'm the innocent one here. When you're vindicated, well, perhaps now that Rabbi Shneir Zalman's innocence was proven, it was time for him to prove, you see, I'm the triumphant one, and maybe to to take revenge on those who wanted to besmirch him. And yet we see his incredible lack of interest in any form of retaliation. We don't see any enmity there. We don't see his taking revenge. Very, very different. Rabbi Shneir Zalman insisted, and he wrote this in a letter, that the Hasidim should develop themselves to a point that they literally feel an emotional love towards whom? Towards the very people who have caused them and their beloved leader so much pain and suffering in these charges against them, in the arrest, in the incarceration, in the investigation. And how is this possible? Because of the spiritual connection that their souls remained intact despite the others, despite those who caused the trouble, stooping to a low level. Rabbi Shneir Zaman says, we're all siblings at the end there, we're all family. And in family, we have to try to curb the animosity and hatred. As a rabbi, oftentimes I'm faced with the situation 
of whether it's parents and children or siblings or relatives who are in some kind of a situation that is not good. And somebody has to be brave enough to say, how are we going to prevent this from getting further out of hand? And for Rabbi Schneer Zalman, these teachings that he espoused in his book of Tanya, it wasn't detached from life. It wasn't an idea. You know, the famous story they tell about a rabbi who gets upset that the kids, you know, they were they were fixing the pavement outside the shul in this fresh coat of cement and the kids carve their names and their footprints and their fingerprints. You know how it goes. I just had it outside my shul recently. And the rabbi screams at the kids. He reprimands them. He screams at, you know, he's shouting at them. And somebody says to the rabbi, but I thought you preached love. And he says, yes, I do preach love and tolerance, but in the abstract, not in the concrete. So for many people, they write a book and there's a certain cognitive dissonance that, yeah, there's a theory in the book, but not for practice. But for Rabbi Shneur Zalman, this was real. What he wrote in his book is the way he lived. When most people would have no qualms at embarrassing their enemies. Look, you see, I was proven innocent. The Alter Rebbe's consciousness was pervaded with a deep sense of love. He was a living example of the extent to which we could get beyond the pitfalls of our personalities when we take the teachings of Judaism seriously and we apply them in our lives. When we read the Torah, not as history, but as our story. And he taught and encouraged his followers to live and act in that way. He, perhaps, the one who was offended the most, the one who was hurt the most, perhaps she'd have said, he could have told his followers, you know, now is a good time for us to take revenge. But the idea expressed in this letter that I read to you is in fact a central theme and approach to Judaism that lies at the heart of his book, Tanya. The discipline of the Chabad Hasidic philosophy is to use our mind, a concept called Moach Shalit Alalev. And by empowering our mind with the information about the spiritual truths, to have uh, an emotional profile that affects our relationship with God as well as our relationship with our fellow human beings. And this approach results in an unconditional love. It's not necessarily an easy approach, but if you study the book of Tanya, you'll see how this concept is that emotionally I feel hurt and therefore I should take revenge. But if I use the, the, the tools of Mach Shalit Alelev, and I use my mind, my intellect to control my emotions, then you realize how, well, as easy it is as it is to retaliate. That's not the point. He writes in his letter, the point is, instead, we might be the ones who are persecuted, but let's instead focus on a way to bring, to forge brotherly love, to see how our family could be living more at peace and harmony rather than continuing the cycle of violence and hatred. That was the Alter Rebbe's approach. And I think it's a very important one if we could only try in some way or other to implement that in our own lives is that whatever situation, undesirable as it might be, that we find ourselves in, how we could take that leadership role. But in order to do that, a very important tool from the Hasidic toolbox of the Tanya would be this concept of Mach Shalat My lev, my heart, my emotion says, this is not good, i got to take revenge. But my mind says, what am I going to gain by that? It just continues and gets further and further out of hand. And so it was, in October of 1800, just 
two years after this whole incident, again, Rabbi Shneur Zaman was arrested. And this, this time, there were new libelous accusations, allegations that were brought against him. And once again, this time he was arrested and again brought to St. Petersburg for interrogation. But this time, he was treated respectfully and with dignity throughout the entire process. And he was acquitted of all charges also about two months later. And it's a different story, but eventually, Rabbi Schneir Zalman did live to see the day when that animosity between the two communities subsided and peace returned to the Jewish community. And so, in another letter that he penned in 1811, which is about two years before he passed away, he wrote a very interesting letter to the rabbinic leadership of Vilna. And he says, now that years have passed, have elapsed since the passing of the Vilna Gon, again, he's writing this letter in 1811, and the Vilna Gon passed away 14 years, 14 years earlier, in 1797. He says, may his memory be for a blessing. The merit of his Torah has stood for him and for all of his students. And finally, these useless persecutions have finally stopped. And the truth has become known. And it is clearly apparent to all that there is not even a trace of heresy within us, God forbid. Not even a trace of a trace. This is the letter Rabbi Shneel Zaman writes. He says, therefore, our communities have been allowed finally to intermingle. And there are many instances in which members of our communities have married each other. Personally, as I'm narrating and talking, commentating on these letters, my father comes from a, a family going all the way back to Hasidim, followers of the Alter Rebbe. And my mother's family come from those who were of more the yeshivish community. And many other examples you could see of the community is not isolating ourselves from each other. I look right here in Johannesburg and we have people from different communities. There's no hesitation. There's nothing prevents one from marrying into another. But during that period, during that isolated period, there was a time when people from one community of Vilna were not marrying into families of the other community of Vilna. And he continues his letter. Similarly, all the other decrees that were instituted in 1772 when that ban was written have all been nullified. Both the minor as well as the severe decrees all were issued erroneously by the communal leaders. Regarding this, it's written, it says in Tehillim, it says there, It's in chapter 19, Who could contemplate the errors? And continues, Cleanse me of my mistaken misdeeds. And in fact, greater examples of errors in judgment exist, for Jewish law recognizes the possibility that even the supreme Sanhedrin sitting in the temple could possibly issue erroneous rulings. The Talmud talks about that. And basically, in this letter, Rabbi Shneur Zalman refers to the decree, the original ban against the Hasidim of 1772. And that year, the communal leadership of Vilna issued a ban against the Hasidim and called for the called for Jews in the community to stay away from the Hasidim in all respects. Why did they issue that ban? And Rabbi Shneur Zalman says in this letter that it was under a mistaken premise. And so, the in another letter, he writes that there was false testimony given by certain people, and that's why the Vilna Gon refused to meet with them, and that's why the Vilna Gon actually wrote a ban 
because based on the accusations, the false testimony that was fed to him, he felt that the Hasidim were set aside up from Zinan a little bit crazy and perhaps breaking away from the Jewish path of life. And therefore it was important to come out with harsh terms against this behavior. And so the point Rabbi Shneizama makes in this letter is that lying witnesses testified that Hasidim were violating Jewish law. They were breaking away from the Jewish traditions, from our principles of faith, and even basic human decency. You read the proclamation of the rabbis of Vilna and a pamphlet, the, Pash- the Pashkevil, the pamphlets that were distributed then, that was that were published at that time. And there's all types of all types of information there against the Hasidim. So, without getting into too much detail about it. But the point is, you know, someone's asking if we could get, if I could share some of those things. Well, basically, some of the accusations said that, um, that they, that studying Torah was a waste of time and they shouldn't be bothered by sin. We shouldn't think about the meaning of, of prayer of Pira Shamilas during, during davening. And the, the standard method of shechita used by all Jews in the community is, is not kosher. Granted that Hasidim were using a different standard of Shechita because they had, you know, a Kabbalistic tradition of why to use a different standard. Sort of here in the community, there are Hasid, you know, the Hasidic community uses the Mahadran Commission meets, which is quite common and popular here. But that doesn't disregard, it doesn't negate the Kashrut of any other meets in our community here in Johannesburg. They used other, other types of, of accusations against the Hasidim. And some of these accusations were, might have been true to some extent, to say that Hasidim are using a different standard of meat, but the Hasidim are not saying that the other standards of meat is not kosher enough. Just We have certain standards we want to follow. And perhaps one of the Mahadrun Commission Shochtim, or maybe one of the butchers could get on the show one day to explain to the community the difference between one standard of Mahadrun and a different standard of Mahadrun. But it doesn't in any way disqualify the other standard. And that wasn't the point of the Hasidim. There were other accusations that were even more outlandish. For example, they said that uh, the Hasidim were were performing somersaults during their prayer. And a Hasidim mocked Torah scholars. And again, these were unfound, they were untrue. But perhaps they were based on maybe somebody sitting at a Fabrengen and seeing Hasidim getting a little tipsy. So you could say, they party! Yeah, on a Thursday night, Hasidim get together to this very day and have a Fabrengen. But the point of a Fabrengen is in no way about the alcoholic consumption. The point of a Fabrengen is a time to inspire one another. A little bit of alcohol for those who can handle it is something that perhaps loosens the mind and one is able to speak more freely and openly. But these accusations and we're able to f- to say that the Hasidim aren't behaving in a normal fashion. And that was part of the false testimony that that was issued, that, that, that caused this letter, this ban, to be issued against the Hasidim. And that's what led the Beistin in Vilna to ban the Hasidim. But Rabbi Shneir Zalman proved later on that these, the ban and the accusations were all false. So therefore, the ban ultimately was nullified. And in fact, even if there wasn't a specific official nullification of the ban, but as the Talmud tells us that when the rabbis enact a law 
and provide a rationale for it. So, for example, in this case, the law was banning the Hasidim and not participating in a minion with them and going to their shuls and coming to the communities because of this information. If the rationale is no longer relevant because that information is proven to be untrue, then the law itself automatically becomes null and void because there's no need for that ban any longer. Because the ban was issued with the assumption that Hasidim were violating Jewish law, were deviating from Jewish tradition, were becoming a heretical sect. And you can imagine in those days, like we talked last week a little bit, after the time of of Shabtai uh, Tzvi and of other sham rabbis that existed in the 17th century, there was reason for suspicion and skepticism. So when the Hasidic movement first began, no doubt there were people who felt uncomfortable with a new movement being introduced to the Jewish community. But ultimately, when it became abundantly evident and clear that the Hasidim were in no way comparable to Shabtai Tzvi and to the Sham rabbis and all these strange practices the Hasidim were accused of. And some of them, like I said, were based on truths. You know, you see a Fabrengan, you see a party, you say, oh, these guys are just party partiers. Or other behaviors that, although if you look at it in one way, it might seem wrong, but if you examine it, you see the truth. Once it became clear that wasn't the case, then the ban was automatically voided and everyone knew that because it was issued under a false premise, now the Beth Din, the rabbinic leadership of, of Vilna, that originally they perhaps they misjudged the Hasidim. Now, he says, who can contemplate their errors, he writes in the letter, which, the you know, we understand that who sometimes... Everyone makes mistakes, and therefore, people make mistakes, which is why there's a verse that says, cleanse me of my mistaken deeds. That's what Rabbi Shneer Zalman quotes. This doesn't just apply to individual actors. As he says, the Talmud tells us, even the highest court in Jewish law, the Sanhedrin, the constitutional court of the Jewish people, the Supreme Court even can make mistakes. If a, if a Supreme Court justice can make a mistake, according to the Talmud, if it's possible, you know, at every funeral that I officiate at, I read those words from Proverbs that even the most righteous person, there's none that exists who will only do good and never sin. It's possible. Part of the human psyche is that sometimes we make mistakes. Therefore, he tells his followers, don't be so appalled that the rabbis of Vilna, that the Beth Din made this cherem, this ban against us under false accusations. And so he concludes his letter with stating that in the merit of the Gra, Rabbi Eliyahu, the Gaon of Vilna's Torah learning, in the merit of his pious, really, truly pious personality, that protected him so that the consequences of his signing of that ban, ban was not enduring. And as a result, Rabbi Shneur Zaman was able to point, uh, was able to tell his Hasidim that it's time to create a spirit of tolerance, of love, even from those who previously tormented himself and his followers and his community. And indeed, this letter that I read today, I think it's so telling about the character personality that we could learn from Rabbi Shneur Zalman, that he writes this letter and he tells his followers, it's time for us to put bygones behind us. It's time for us to return to normal community, solidarity, harmony, living together. Let's focus on what unites us, not what divides us. 
And so I know and I see from the text messages that come through to me here in the studio, and you're most welcome. I'll give you the number next week because today we're at to conclude already. But a lot of people are wondering, and I see the letters, you know, the messages. Why did the Vilna Gaon sign this ban? You know, why did he oppose the teachings of the Hasidim? Was it all about false testimony or was there something more to it? And the truth is there was more to this conflict, to this community controversy and why there were people coming across with false testimony and all that that led to the ban and to the arrest of Rabbi Shneur Zalman. And please, if you join us next week, right here, same time, same place, same station, we'll talk a little bit and address these questions that you're asking because it's time to say goodbye. And I'd like to just say is that I think it will be quite interesting to examine and to discuss the landscape of Eastern European Jewry that led up to the period of this conflict and controversy that happened in those days. And I'm sure you'd be interested in hearing this. So please join us next week right here on Soul to Soul Thursday between 1 and 2 p.m. on Yud Tes Kislev, the Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus, where we're going to talk a little bit about the background of Hasidic movement, the Baal Shem Tov, and some of his fundamental teachings, which some other great masters of Kabbalistic teachings such as the Gona disagreed with. And there was one major big idea, which is called Tzimtzum, God's contraction, what that means, how it's understood, is it literal, is it figurative? That debate will be discussed right here on Soul to Soul. Next Thursday, Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus, the 19th of Kislev, the 8th of December, between 1 and 2 p.m., we'll have a Forbrengen right here in the studio, and I welcome you to please join us here for that discussion. Looking forward to seeing you next week, wishing you a meaningful, purposeful, and amazing Shabbos weekend. Stay tuned for Fresh Thinking Up Next, right after the news, right here with Rabbi Shishler, up next, 2 to 3 p.m. on Soul to Soul. Have a great Shabbos. Carpe diem.